we're going to continue talking about prayer. Teach us to pray. And I want to talk about meditation. And as you'll see, I don't mean sitting in a corner in a lotus position going om. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christian meditation. And this is something that God put on my heart and really led me to many years ago, as I'll probably share later. And why this is about prayer is prayer and meditation are very close together. And I would suggest that meditation empowers your prayer. Meditation is a way to really get into the heart of God and to get your head around things and the will of God. Let's have a look at a scripture. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. What a great verse. It basically says, if you ask of God in his will, he hears you and he gives you what you pray for. The crunch, the crunch, the thing there that really gets us is in his will. And the question I always used to ask, how do we get to know God's will? And I believe this is in part where meditation comes in. Because as we're going to see, as you meditate, you can move from knowledge to a state of understanding and application. And as you move from knowledge to understanding, it's much easier to pray into a situation. Because you get an understanding of God's heart and God's will and what God wants. Because there's lots of things of which I have knowledge. I love reading and watching things on quantum physics. I know about the terms of quantum physics. Ask me to explain quantum physics and I have no idea. And I have met many Christians who I'm sad to say are in the same boat. They can chuck scriptures at you. They know some of the word. They know the lingo. But you ask them to explain it to you what it actually means in their life and what the relevance is and they get a bit stuck. And I believe all of us have to move from that place from knowledge to wisdom and understanding. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that we go on that journey. So prayer is important. It's speaking to God and expressing our heart and our desire. But meditation is also important. It is thinking and pondering on God's revelation and his glory. It is taking time to do it. And I'm not talking about Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about emptying yourself, about getting out the thoughts and finding a nothingness. This is not that. Because as we know, if you empty your house out and leave space, I don't know about your house, but if I clear my mind of thoughts, my human thoughts come in. And my human thoughts tend to be not so hot. I'll start to worry. I'll start to overthink. I'll start to spiral into this world of, you know how it goes, Sp uh, gloom and doom. That's the way it is. We don't want to empty ourselves and leave ourselves empty. What we have to do is empty ourselves and then fill ourselves with God. That's what meditation's about. The Eastern religions, the Eastern way of doing it has a half-truth. It says, get the rubbish out. Christianity brings glory and life because it says bring life in. Bring in truth, bring in knowledge. Christian meditation is a form of 
prayer in which we structure ourselves and we get ourselves to get in touch with God, meditate on his glory and to really find truth. It's a deliberate process and takes focus and effort. You good at that? Nope. What do we have to do that? We have to stop ourselves. And as we'll see later, we have to be intentional. Two quotes from Charles Spurgeon. Have you all heard of Charles Spurgeon? He was a famous preacher and teacher from 1800s, I think. And he had some, wrote a book on meditation. I, I love these quotes. I just pray they speak to you the way they speak to me. The first one, I love the way he spoke too. I wish we had this sort of language. Meditation is thus an excellent employment. Isn't that great? It is not the offering of listlessness or lethargy, but it is a satisfactory mode of employing time and very remunerative to the spirit. Isn't that great? In other words, it's not a waste of time and it, it pays you back. Trouble is, to meditate, you have to stop. And in this world of busyness, often if people see you stop, I know for me, the best way for me to meditate is to stop, to close my eyes and to be still. That's the only way I can do it. And people walk in and think, why are you there, stop sitting with your eyes shut? Are you asleep? And often the answer is no, you're not asleep, doing something very important. I'm considering and meditating God's word. But perfectly honest, you see somebody sitting on a lounge, lying on a lounge, eyes shut, not moving. What do you think? Some people meditate walking. I can't do that because I walk past a house and think, well, that's a nice house. But, but gee, they need to mow that lawn. That's like my house used to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. I can't do it. So we have to find that place where we can stop and employ ourselves and centre our thoughts. I really love this one. This is my favourite. Again, meditation is the machine in which the raw material of knowledge is converted to best use. Let me compare it to a wine press. By reading and researching, we study, we gather the grapes. But it is by meditation we press out the juice of these grapes and obtain the wine. Isn't that a brilliant quote? What it's saying is we have to read God's word, we have to talk to God, we have to gather the information about God. We have to look at what God's done in our life. We have to gather all these things. Then we have to process them and out of that comes that, that rich juice, that thing that really quenches us. Okay, how to do it? How do you meditate? First step is to pray. And I'll tell you when this started. There was a song that came out in 1978. I won't ask you how many of you can remember 1978. And I was teaching a class. Yeah, I was a teacher in 1978, so I've been around a little while. And the song came out by a secular group, and we used to get the kids to dance to this music. And the group was Boney M. And the song was by the rivers of Babylon. And we used, we used to get the kids moving around to this and jerking about and dancing. And it was great. I, I loved it. And it was a great way to do it. But as I listened to that, I thought, hello, this has got to be scripture. 
And in that, there's a line from Psalm 1914. They don't quote it exactly, but they quote it almost exactly. They, They just miss a bit off the end. But it basically says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in the sight of thee tonight. And I heard that several times. I thought, I've got to research this. And I realized that it was talking about a thing that I didn't know about, and that was Christian meditation. And I tell you what, listening to that worldly song, well, that worldly group has had a major effect on my life. And I often used to think, well, if God can talk through a donkey, he can talk through a secular song. And the other thing it said to me, the word of God is powerful. That even when sung by people who were just singing, it still had the power to affect lives. So it is, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'd say that is probably my most frequent prayer. And it's a great way to start meditating. And I tell you what, what do we hear in the, first, in the beginning? It said that when you pray in God's will, he will hear you and you'll receive. So when you want to pray and meditate, start with that. I can testify to that. I can say it works. Because what you're saying to God, God, I want the words I speak to come from a heart that is centred, that is filled with the glory and truths of you. So meditate on his word. Lie down and think of his splendour and his glory. Meditation in the scriptures. If you, Just a couple of quick ones. I won't put them up. Psalm 48, 9. O God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship you in the temple. When you're singing God's worship, you have to make a choice not to think about, oh, that person in the front, they were last week. Or bloke thing, gee, I wonder if I locked the We have to go to those places. We have to go to a different place. We be meditating on the glory and the word of God. Another one, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 63.6. That one also speaks to me greatly. Those of you who have read the Psalms of David, how many times do you hear David is somewhere, often him lying down, and he's miserable, he's overwhelmed by his enemies. He has no way forward. He can't overcome, he can't do anything. And what does he start talking about? The glory of God. First thing in meditation. Then he starts to think about what God has done in the past. Then he starts to proclaim God's glory and thank God for what he's doing. Do you know what he's doing? He's meditating on the word of God. He's taking the knowledge he has of God, pondering upon it, and then applying it to his situation and finding God's glory and hope and faith. Meditate on his word above all else. Here's a problem for some of us. To meditate on God's word, what do you have to do first? You've got to actually read his word. And so much of our faith begins as we read God's scriptures. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. This is God's direction. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, 
then you will have good success. Yeah, strong scripture. We don't just meditate in the law, we meditate on a greater revelation of God. We meditate on God's will and his glory and his grace. Then it goes on. I have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that a great scripture? God's instructing us to consider his word, consider what he's revealed, and then we will be successful. I'm going to share an example. How many of you think too much and worry? Anyone? Anyone not? If you don't, I, I want to talk to you. Because most of us tend to worry and think. And often our worry will be about the silliest, trivialest things. True? Okay, they're very important at the time. But when you look at them later, you think, oh, I fell for that one again. What am I doing? I'll give you an example. It might help. Okay, in bed this morning. I had to preach today. Preaching does not worry me. I don't mind preaching. I've been doing it for years. At work, I used to do presentations the whole time. It's part of my work life and church life. What I can't do and I hate doing is reading out loud. Never could do it. As a kid, they thought I couldn't read because I couldn't read out loud. So I looked at my sermon discovered I had lots of scriptures in it. And I started thinking, oh, no, I'm going to have to read them out. And that is so hard. I can't do that. Maybe I should cut some out. Maybe I should just give people a paraphrase of Charles Spurgeon. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And I started to go into the worry. So then I decided to put my sermon to work. And I thought, no, God's good. God has got me through preaching and reading things before. God's word goes out no matter how much you mess it up. Then I always think the thought, some of my worst sermons, have well, what I thought my worst sermons, have been the ones that have affected people great. You know, people come to you and say, that was a great sermon you preached five weeks ago. And you think, five weeks ago what I preached? And you think, oh, yeah, that was a shocker. And they said, that's changed my life. And you think, what? <laughs> it was muddled. I made mistakes. It had wrong bits in it. That bit of theology in the middle, I'm not real sure about the way I said it. And you have to really grasp that in that moment, you're going through what God's done in the past. Then you go through that, what does God say about your weakness? In his, your weakness, his strength is revealed. That his word goes out and doesn't return void. That God is good. So rather than worrying about it and letting it spin you into that spiral of misery and whatever, you know, that gloomy state you get into. Oh, no, I'm gonna, we're all going to die. I'm going to eat worms. You know, you know that. Rather than doing that, do you know what you do? You go to the glory of God and think of what he's done in the past. You think of the glory he's given. You think of the power he's got. You think of his goodness. And rather than ending up that session in a hole, where do you end up? With your heart alive and filled with joy. Think of the first part of this scripture. It says that if you fill your heart with his law, you'll be, have prosperity and success. Tell you what, which is going to bring you prosperity and success? Lying there, getting gloomy and worrying about it, getting self-defeated, getting wound up, or thinking about God's glory, thinking about his power, thinking about what he's done in the past, thinking about the goodness he has for you, thinking about his love, and thinking about what he can do. 
I know which one I believe is going to lead to success. 1 Timothy 4, 15 and 16. This is Paul's direction to Timothy. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. He's saying, take everything I've given you and think about it, ponder about it. And in doing that, it'll change your life and the life of those around you. Then in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. This is another one of my favourite all-time scriptures. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So when you're lying in bed feeling miserable, say this scripture to yourself. What should you be thinking about? What can go wrong? How bad it is? No, you should be meditating on God's word and thinking about the goodness of God. Takes you to a different place. What you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We have the spirit of God within us and we can ignore the Spirit of God, or we can work with the Spirit of God. As we start to think about God's Word and meditate upon His power and become mindful of God in whatever we're doing, we're working with the Spirit and our life enlivened and empowered. I'm now going to give you a very simple thing to do. When I was working with kids but with behaviour problems, we used to teach them three things. Stop, think, do. Okay? And we ha would have traffic lights up, red light, orange light, green light. Many kids are impulsive. Many adults are impulsive. But we hide it better. How many of you wish you had a rewind button? Because you've said something and you'd like to push the little rewind button, take it back and not say it. And half the time you say it, you think, Later, I don't even really believe that. I just blurt it. I had a, you know, a splat. We need to learn to meditate. But one of the ways to do it is to think about stop, think, do. It's worthwhile in your life to take time to stop what you're doing. Just stop and think about the things of God. Think about the wonders of God. Think about the word of God. And think about how these things apply to your setting, your situation. Think about how God's revelation and his different way of viewing the world affects the way you're going to act. There used to be those plastic bracelets. And they had, what, what did they put on it? What would Jesus do, wasn't it? WWJD? I never had one. But what a great truth. We need to stop and think about the word of God, God's glory, and think what would Jesus do? And then not say, no, it's too hard, but then ask God for the power to do it. Then ask God to reveal his love into our hearts for other people so that we can do it. 
then ask God to calm us and put us in a place where we can move forward. So we stop, we think, and we do. And then when we do, the first part of do is to pray. God, give me the strength. Give me the will. Give me the... Mine often is give me the patience. Give me the time. We need to pray. And then we need to act as we know Jesus would. We need to carry through on that which God has revealed to us. We need to grow in wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom? It's not just getting older. I know lots, well, I have known lots of old, very unwise people. If young, stupid people, do you know what they do when they get older? They become old, stupid people. And I don't mean not intelligent, I mean just not wise. That's the reality of it. And often as you get older, you get sillier because you get more extreme in what you've done. That's just the, that's my observation. You can abuse me about it later, but it seems to be reality. You know, if you're a cranky young pe- person, when you're really old, you're going to be really cranky. Just seems to be the way it works. But if you want to be wise, it's not about age. It's about having knowledge and then understanding that knowledge. It's about having the word of God in your heart and knowing how it applies to your life. It's about getting those grapes and squashing them so that you have it just all over you. I like to think of the grape analogy. You want God's word to stain your life so that every part of your mind and your body and your soul is marked by, by that squeezed and distilled truth of God, by his revelation. And if you want to make a difference in the world, you have to be praying in God's will, and carrying out God's will. And to do those two things, I'm saying today, meditate. Take the time to get God's word, take it in. Easiest way to start, go to a scripture. One of your favourite scriptures. Start anywhere, but start with a favourite scripture that's spoken in the past. Read it, and then say to yourself, what is this saying to me? God, in your glory and your wonder, you are just so Everything wonderful, yet it's so big and true and strong and powerful. What does this say to me? What would you like me to do about it? How would you like me to grow? And then lastly, where do I go from here? And then pray. I believe that as we meditate and seek God's will, our prayers become so much more powerful. Our lives can become so much richer. And we can move forward just in a wonderful way, living and working within the wonderful will of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you now to close your eyes and spend five minutes meditating on God's word. But I just really do pray that you do give it it some time. I know a lot of you will be doing this sort of stuff. We do little bits, but be intentional. Take not the two minutes, not the one minute, not the you know, 30 seconds while you're sitting in traffic, think a good thought about God and then get on with life, but actually take some time to do it. Because I know that as you seek God, His Word and His will, and ask Him to reveal His truth, that He will bless you, that He will come and meet you, and your life will be enriched. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you do place your word upon our hearts. I pray, Lord, for your revelation to be rich in our minds. 
I pray, Father, for every person in this room, that every one of us will know you, will grow closer and more in touch with you. And I just pray, Father, you empower our lives to be a blessing to all those we meet. We might have the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom that only comes from your revelation. Jesus. I just pray that you go in peace and go with the love of God.